Okay. All right. We're going. I'm, we're rolling. It's happening. Okay. So, um, if you are listening to this on the podcast, uh, you're going to jo- obviously just hear me because it's a podcast, right? But, you know, if you're, um, if you're, if you're on YouTube, hello there. Hello there, because uh, I've decided to start filming the podcast. You know, you see a lot of podcasters, they also release their podcasts on film, on film, on YouTube. They film it. And uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a go. Uh, let's see how it goes. Could be very awkward. But yeah, let's, let's just go for it. So this is this is how I, I do my podcast episodes now, apparently. And yeah, let's get started. We're talking about pronunciation tips, but not just pronunciation tips. We're going to look at four... Um, Aspects of English pronunciation uh, that will help you not just like get better pronunciation, but it also helps, you know, listen. And when you're listening and when you're listening to people speaking, you, you'll be able to notice certain things uh, that will help you understand. It's pretty simple. With these pronunciation tips, you're also getting some listening skills too. Bonus stuff. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, let's dive right into it. Um, the first uh, listening tip we're going to look at is uh, what I call jump to the potato. That's all That's all you need to know. No, I'm going to explain that, obviously. Uh, okay, so jump to the potato. So let's. I want to start just by looking at uh, something very simple. Uh, the numbers one, two, three, four. You see the numbers one, two, three, four written down somewhere. You read them. And yeah, it's pretty easy. You just say one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. So far, so good, right? Now, the next thing will be different depending on what type of language you're operating in. Obviously, we're, we're using English as an example here. Uh, so we got one, two, three, four. What happens if we put and between these numbers? One and two and three and four. That's how I say it, right? Now, this is quite interesting. Because we've got one, two, three, four. That's a four-second thing. You know, that takes four seconds to say. Obviously, it's four numbers. Now, if I put and in between, we've gone from four things to... What is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. My maths is terrible. Four things. One, two, three, four to seven things. One and two and three and four, right? But it takes the same amount of time to say it. That is very important, right? One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. And one and two and three and four. I'm eating the words between the numbers. I am not giving them the same amount of time. Now, let's do this again and uh, have, instead of just one and two, we're going to have one and then two, right? One, okay, here, I'm just going to do it. One and then two and then three and then four. That's four seconds. One, two, three, four. That's four seconds. One and two and three and four. That's four seconds. One more time. One and then two and then three and then four. That's four seconds. So this is interesting because this is basically um, what happens when you're speaking uh, a stress-timed language. Uh, like English is a stress time language. Uh, Thai is a stress time language. German, Russian, Danish, Swedish, Norwegian, um, uh, Faroese, uh, Dutch. Did I say Dutch? European Portuguese, but apparently not Brazilian Portuguese, Persian or Iranian. All of these are stress time languages. So if you do this thing 
by putting words between the numbers, it's still four seconds. One and then two and then three and then four. So a lot of you guys might be, uh, might have uh, as a first language something that isn't uh, syllable timed, stress timed, excuse me, stress timed, uh, like English. So if you speak uh, French or Italian or Spanish or um, Brazilian Portuguese or Icelandic or Cantonese or Mandarin Chinese or Georgian or Romanian or Armenian or Turkish or Korean, um, these are all syllable timed languages. So you have one, two, three, four, that's four seconds. But one and two and three and four, that's seven seconds. One and then two and then three and then four, that's 10 seconds. So you give the same amount of time to each syllable. You don't eat the words between, right? So this is a big difference between English and, uh, and many syllable timed languages, right? And if you're, yeah, yeah. And if you're, if you're, if you speak the syllable timed language and you're used to speaking with that kind of rhythm, English can be difficult to, to pronounce well because you'll just use, you won't eat the words, uh, which we do a lot in English and also more difficult to listen to because, um, the words that are being eaten, you know, you're, you're waiting for them, but they're kind of, well, they're being eaten, right? And then one of them, one of them one and then two. We're only stressing the, the important things, the one, the two, the three, the four. Uh, so yeah, this, is, this can be a big problem. Uh, so uh, before we kind of look at some examples and, and maybe do a bit of practice, uh, this is really like, you can really hear this when you listen to rap music, right? Rap music. I really like rap. I'm not a huge rap fan, but there's a lot of rap I do like. But I like listening to rap in, in different languages because you get a every language has its own feeling. And I think hip hop and rap are really good vehicles to uh, express the feeling of, of that language. Uh, so let's listen to a couple of uh, syllable timed languages, rapping. The languages aren't rapping, the rappers are rapping, but never mind. And uh, let's listen to a couple of um, uh, stress timed. I got that the wrong way around. We're gonna listen to stress timed like English, first and then we're going to listen to some syllable timed like Turkish second. Okay, so I hope that was clear. Uh, I'm going to play uh, some German hip-hop. Here we go. Some some hip-hop from Deutschland. Um, all right, so this is, I'm opening it right now. It's just going to start. This is Bushido and Animus. Uh, I have no idea who these guys are. I literally just googled like German hip-hop and found these guys. Um, so, yeah, like every hip-hop video, it starts with just big stories and establishing stuff. And let's get to the... Let's get to me. Here it is. So, as if I nussret were. You can gerne mal probieren, ob du mich klein kriegst. Fick dein Junkie-Label und bring Hip-Hop in die 90s. Frage, was ist deine Fotze in dem Livestream? Einfach eine Fotze in einem Livestream Fick auf High Society, die Szene wird jetzt abrasiert Rache wird so kalt serviert, dass dein ganzer Hals erfriert Alright, there we go, we've got this Like You know, the big things are there, the small things are being eaten The big things are being stressed, the small things are being devoured Okay, that's some German, let's uh, let's let's do some more uh, What's what, what else have we got? All my links dying in front of me. Uh, let's check out some Iranian hip hop now. All right, here we go. So we're going to switch over to, what is this? 
<laughs> this is Taking Ages to Open. I tell you who this is, but the music's opened before the page. <laughs> this is uh, Salome MC or Salome MC. Uh, drunk Shah, Drunk Elder. You know, stressing the big things, not the little things. I like this, I'm going to play a bit more. Okay, so again, I just googled some uh, Persian rap, Iranian rap, and this this came up. I really like it though. It's obviously very political, and that's you know that's a personal thing, but um, it's good. I like it, and it demonstrates it really well. Dun da dun da dun da dun. Bam bam. The big things are big. The, the eaten things are eaten. Okay. Finally, just for a certain a bit of certainty, let's check out some Turkish hip-hop and again listen out for the, this should be more like every word is getting its time uh it should be less you, you won't hear so many eaten words the rhythm will be very consistent in theory if because this is a syllable timed language i actually know this um i'm quite familiar with this uh this rapper because i listen to him sometimes he's really good this is arch kakan from istanbul and let's just skip forward so we can get out of the story and onto the hip-hop. Like every syllable is getting its time. He can't, he can't eat them. He's not eating anything. There's a little bit of like to and fro and a little bit of, obviously there's rhythm in it, but like this, there's the syllables are all getting equal time. Uh, so yeah, this is the sort of stress timed languages like English, one and one and then two and then three and then four and then, and then five, obviously. And the syllable timed languages like Turkish, one and then two and then three and then four and then five, if you like. Uh, so, okay, so that gives you an idea of uh, like how the languages work and work. And like there's a general, like there are two general categories of language here and, and the way they people speak and how to pronounce. This will help you with like pronunciation and also with listening as well, because you know what to listen out for. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to read you a bunch of sentences and uh, just listen out which words are being stressed because usually there is a bit of a pattern. You know, everything depends on context. Everything depends on what what information you're trying to stress. The new information is usually the stress stuff and the functional information like auxiliary verbs, you know, am, is, are, has, been, you know, the small grammatical stuff um, usually is just eaten. You know, we almost never hear it. Uh, so, yeah, here we go. Here are some sentences. Sentence number one. I've been waiting for ages. I've been waiting for ages. Uh, sentence number two. The cat loves eating cornflakes. The cat loves eating cornflakes. 
Sentence number three. Have you seen Gary? Have you seen Gary? That's quite strong, isn't it? You can really hear like how this is working. Uh, sentence number four. We'll, we'll come back to these in a minute. Don't worry. Sentence number four. When were you told about the meeting? When, when were you told about the meeting? Hmm, okay. Sentence number five. One, two, three, four. Yeah, it is number five. She goes to Monaco to be seen. She loves being seen. She goes to Monaco to be seen. She loves being seen. Uh, and uh, last one, number six. Uh, you, told the you told the boss to shut up? You know what? I can't believe it. You told the boss to shut up? You know what? Can't believe it. So what's happening here? As you can, as you can hear, um, certain words are definitely uh, that much more prominent than other words. The first sentence, I've been waiting for ages. Waiting and ages. These are the new, this is the new information. This is the stuff we want to stress. This is the stuff we want to put forward. So this is stressed. I've been and for almost invisible. I've been waiting for ages. It's almost like I'm saying, been waiting, been waiting. Uh, because when you hear been, like that's enough for someone to understand that you're saying I have been. Uh, yeah, uh, the, cat, the cat loves eating cornflakes. The cat loves eating cornflakes. Cornflakes is not new in this sentence. Apparently we've been talking about cornflakes. So loves and eating is stressed here, both verbs. The cat loves eating cornflakes. Um, the, I just want to give the third one one more time because it's uh, the most interesting one. Seen Gary? Seen Gary? Seen is so strange. I never really thought about it this much. Seen Gary? Like, have you seen Gary? That's how a, a syllable-timed language would put it. This is... <laughs> seen Gary? It's so strange if you really think about it. You know... Um, People with English as a first language like me, we never think about this stuff until we analyze it like now. And it's like, wow, that must be so difficult to understand. So when you're listening to English, you have to listen out for the keywords. Seen Gary? You hear seen and you hear Gary. Now, if you hear, if you got that, seen Gary, and also it's clearly a question, seen Gary, you know, da 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 da. That's enough, right? That's enough to understand that somebody is asking you if you have seen Gary or not. No one knows where Gary is. He's disappeared a long time ago. Yeah, with Janice. Hmm. Uh, anyway, yeah, so seen Gary, um, seen and Gary. The cat loves eating cornflakes. We know we're talking about cornflakes. We know we're talking about the cat loves eating new information. So it's like, you know, if you're eating a meal, right, and you've got boiled broccoli and boiled cabbage and then like a big jacket potato full of hummus, yeah, nice. Uh, so what do you do? Yeah, yeah, you eat the boiled cabbage and the, the broccoli quickly, get that out of the way, and then you can enjoy the hummus and the potato, right? So it's like you're rushing through the auxiliary verbs and the subjects and all the old information, the information that you and the person you're talking to already kind of know, you know, the cat and the cornflakes. We've already started talking about cats and cornflakes. You, they, are, they are now boiled broccoli and boiled cabbage. Um, Another example, I don't know, you've been on holiday and you want to tell your friend about your holiday and you talk about what you did. And on the third day of your holiday, you met Radiohead at a, at a botanic flower show, for example. So what do you do? You're telling your friend, yeah, we went to the hotel. It was nice. Went swimming, went to the beach, went to the market, blah, blah, blah. Not so interesting. You're rushing through the standard holiday stuff to get to meeting Radiohead at a botanic, bo bo botanic 
flower show. Uh, again, you're rushing through the auxiliary verbs, the old information, the stuff that probably they already know. You, you went on holiday. They know what you did. Most people do the same sort of thing, right? Then you're getting to the juice, the information, the new stuff, the stuff you want to put forward. And yeah, I'm saying this again and again because it, it, it bears repeating. When you're speaking in English, jump to the potato, <laughs> the hummus and the potato. When you're producing a sentence, you know, just think about what the, what the new information is, what the information you want to put forward is, and you're just jumping to them and you're eating everything really quickly in between those words. Uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, this is a really common problem, like, a, I guess, a common complaint about um, about English when people are listening to English is that it sounds like people are eating like the words all the time. And yeah, that is basically what's happening. We, we, we jump, we're going past the broccoli and the cabbage. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're listening to someone and you can't hear and understand every word they're saying. You don't need to. If you can't hear a word they're saying, that's because that's old information. You've already got that information. Listen out for the keywords. Um, yeah, jump to the potato. Uh, this is really interesting when negative as well. And we're going to see this later in another, in, in another, um, part of this podcast. Um, listen to these sentences. When it's negative, the negative is usually stressed. Um, I haven't been waiting long. Uh, the cat doesn't like my guitar skills. Uh, haven't you seen Gary? He's with Janice. Um, you weren't told about the meeting. Uh, she doesn't go to Marseille often. Uh, you didn't tell the boss to shut up. No way. Okay. So yeah, negatives, just so you know, they tend to be stressed. So if you're producing a negative sentence, um, it's usually considered like new information or something you're putting forward, right? So it's usually a, one of the keywords. It's potato, not broccoli. Uh, yeah, that's it. So, um, that's it. This is, this is like stress timed and syllable timed languages, especially if you're used to syllable timed languages. Don't panic when you hear people and you can't hear every word. You're not supposed to. It's okay. Just focus on the keywords. That's it. That's, that's basically everything from this section. Jump to the potato. Let's move on. Section two. Uh, contract, 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 contract. Okay. This is so common. This is such a problem with, uh, almost every English learner I've ever had at almost every level of English. It's really strange when people are learning English. Uh, like, you know, you just see a sentence, right? You look at a sentence. Let's uh, see. We've got a sentence for... <laughs> Sorry. Da, da, da. Okay. So you've got a sentence like, uh, we'd love to help. You're seeing this even written down. It's, it's, it's contracted. We'd love to help. Um, or I hadn't thought about it before. Or we're going to tell them that there's no time. That's a strange example. Whatever. We're going to tell them that there's no time. Okay, so we've got uh, lots of contracted stuff. We'd love to help. I hadn't thought about it. We're going to, we're going to tell them. Okay, so, so many people, so many English learners, I see this all the time. Look at sentences like that. They can see it's contracted, written down, but they still say, we would love to help. I had not thought about it before. We are going to tell. It's, they decontract it, which is weird right? Because, you know, you can see it's contracted. And I, I think I understand, like, possibly one of the reasons why um, people like to do this is because they can see it. And 
they know that it means wood and that's a good thing. You know, we'd like to help. They can see it and they go, oh, that's wee wood. Um, so they, they've kind of figured this out because they know this and they, because of having learnt English and, and recognizing it. And it's a good feeling, right? You know what that weird apostrophe D means. And you want to kind of express that. So you, we would, and you say we would. There's also, um, a common misperception, misconception, I think, that when it's, when you have every word spelt out and it's not contracted, it's more, uh, acceptable. It's more proper. It's more real. It's more, it's less street. It's less crude. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. At the highest levels of formality, people contract sentences. Even in like academic essays and, and academic papers and government documents, uh, you will see fewer contractions. People contract a bit less when it gets very formal, but usually just for writing. When people are speaking, they contract all the way up to the top. And um, yeah, don't decontract things. And also most of the time we're not in a formal situation. Most of the time we're using English in relatively mod, like maybe at work and business, sure, but not necessarily very formal and also in social settings. And if you, if you don't contract in social settings, it just sounds weird, really. Sounds really strange. So yeah, I mean, it's, we love robots, even those weird Boston Dynamics robots that look like they're going to take over the world and kill us all. We all kind of like robots, right? But let's not, <laughs> let's not sound like robots. Um, don't, yeah, don't, don't decontract. Always, always contract. It sounds more natural. It's also more efficient. Um, more efficient English tends to sound more natural. We're all lazy. Humans are lazy. So the natural stuff is also the lazier stuff. And it's good. You know, it makes the language more efficient. Uh, we're doing more with less. So contract. It's there for a reason. It's great. It makes things easier. It makes you sound more natural, makes it easier to pronounce. And you, you'll, you'll practice hearing it as well. Cause it's, e it's easier to understand someone who said we would like to go there than we'd like to go there. Of course, if people decontract all the time, listening is easier, but people don't decontract all the time. So you need to get used to it. Is decontract a word? I'm not sure it is anymore. I've used it about 18 times. Anyway, we'll find out. I'll check later. Or uh, have a look yourself and then uh, leave a comment. Or send me an email, gabriel at clarkandmiller.com. Okay, so yeah, uh, contracting. The, uh, but uh, yeah, the only time we, we do like, un like, we do decontract is, uh, when we want to add emphasis. So this is another reason to like, you should contract all the time or most of the time because we save decontracting when we're adding emphasis. So, um, let's look at the difference. I'm going to read you a bunch of sentences. Uh, no, stop. Don't touch that button. Okay. Don't touch that button. Contracted. Um, do not touch that button. It's so much stronger, right? Don't touch that button. Quite casual. Do not touch that button. Very strong, very emphatic, very bossy even. And you know, with that button, that's a bad button. You need to be bossy when you're telling people not to touch it. Uh, another example, uh, she'd had a driving test before, but failed it. She'd had a driving test before, but failed it. Um, if you want to correct someone, maybe you might say something like, no, no, you don't understand. She had had a test before, but she failed it. So you're, you're kind of correcting someone or you're making sure people understand. She had had one. You're 
emphasizing the fact that she had a, had a driving test. Um, yeah, it's just emphasis, basically. I've done my homework. That's a neutral sentence. I have done my homework. I promise. You know, now it becomes emphatic. You're, you're, you're justifying yourself. You're proving yourself right. It's important to be able to do that and to be able to have that difference. Uh, one more example. Uh, yeah, when you're stressing, oh, this song is, is, is so good. I do love Radiohead. I do love Radiohead. You're, you're really just emphasizing it very strongly. So, um, yeah, that's it. Use the auxiliary is basically about auxiliaries, but yeah, always contract, always contract when you can, unless you really, really want to emphasize something. Okay, let's move on. Number three, uh, we're going to talk about dit or uh, tit. Um, okay, so there's a sound you're going to hear a lot in English. Um, and it's, it's a nice sound by itself, but it does have a, by itself, it does have a rude meaning. Uh, if you check out the last podcast I did with Emma from uh, Pronunciation with Emma, uh, we talked a lot about swearing and we decided to call the episode Tithead. So tit, tit, this word tit, it means woman's chest or breast, by the way. Uh, but it's also just a general way of uh, swearing and, and uh, insulting people, which is fun sometimes. And uh, yeah, but you also hear this word tit or dit sometimes in, in, embedded in uh, English speaking. Uh, if, if somebody who doesn't speak English listens to English, they may notice that Okay, there's lots of ing, ing, ing. That's very common. Uh, but there's also lots of dits and tits. And uh, why? Where, where are all these tits coming from? Well, uh, this is basically what happens when you have past tense verb and the, the word it. And this happens more than you might think. Because um, here's the thing. English has a weird rule. For most verbs that can have an object you have to have an object, right? So you can't just say, I like. You have to have something that you like. I like the show, or I like the film, or I like him, or I like her. But um, uh, some most of the time, you know, you're talking and you use this, you want to express liking something, and we already know what you like, what we're talking about, the subject's there, so we just say it. Now, we don't, like, you know, there's no reason why we should say it, because we should just be able to say, I like but it's bad grammar, so we always say, I like it. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's the same for like, you know, he's doing it, or I used it. You know, a lot of verbs, you just have to throw something in as an object. So as a result, we use it a lot. It is an in insanely common verb, and we use it as an object like this a lot. So when we use it in the past, and we have a regular verb, which is most verbs, you get uh, something like, I used it. And then if you say that quickly, I used it. And you just have a dit. I used it. That's all. And you, you just get this dit a lot. Um, any regular past tense uh, with it. Um, yeah, so we use the past a lot. I think the past is the most common tense in English. And uh, that means you're going to hear a lot of dits and tits. Um, and that's it. I mean, the tip for this, the tit tip, perhaps we could call it, is just, you know, listen out for it because people speak fast, right? When we're speaking normally, we speak quite fast and um, you, you need to be able to sort of figure out sometimes if someone's talking in the past or generally, right? So if you want to listen out, you can just listen out for the tits and the dits and uh, 
yeah, you, you've got, okay, it's passed, it's passed, got it. Um, also, when you're speaking, yeah, just gravitate towards the dit, gravitate towards the tit, it works. Um, so I'm going to give you a little quiz now. Um, I'm going to read, what have I got here? Five, five sentences. And just tell me whether you think this is in the past or not. So you're listening out for tits. Okay, here we go. That's when they announced it. That's when they announced it. That was the first one. Second one. They call it the thing. They call it the thing. Past or not past? You decide. Uh, third one. Yeah, they'll postpone it, I think. Yeah, they'll postpone it, I think. Is that past or not? Uh, after the lockdown, a lot of people really needed it. After the lockdown, a lot of people really needed it. Past or not? Is there a tit or not? Uh, finally, that's how they played it. That's how they played it. Did you hear a tit or is it no tit? To tit or not to tit? Uh, past or not past? Uh, yeah, that's it. Those were five uh, sentences. If you want to find out the answers, send in your answers and I'll, uh, I'll get back to you. If it's a comment on YouTube, I'll reply. And if it's an email, I'll also reply. Gabriel at clarkamilla.com. Uh, cool. So yeah, that's it. Uh, tit or dit. Listen out for it. Uh, wanted it. Started it. Decided it. I'm saying those words. Those are the three most common regular verbs. You'll hear it. Wanted it. Start, started it. Decided it. Um, yeah. Okay, good. Okay, moving on. Finally, can, not finally. This is the penultimate one. Second last. Can and can't. So this isn't a big problem for British English speakers and people listening to British English. You have this thing can and can't. We all know can and can't, right? I can do it. I can't do it. Um, and British English, you know, we, we pronounce the positive can and we pronounce the negative can't. Can't. It's very English. Can't. Oh, I can't. Um, yeah. So uh, for British English, it's not a big problem. But for sort of international speakers of English and for American English speakers, um, it's a bit, of, it sounds more the same. Can and can't, right? Because also Americans soften their T's like, like British people do a lot. So, you know, can and can. I can do it. I can't do it. Like, this can be a problem. It can actually be quite difficult to, um, to hear it. So here's the thing. Um, this is usually, this problem is usually dealt with um, naturally in the pronunciation. And do you remember before I was saying that often... Uh, negative things are, are stressed. We usually stress negative uh, sentences. You know, I haven't seen him. Um, or, you know, he didn't do it. Uh, we often, that becomes a keyword because it's usually new, important information when it's negative. And this often happens with can and can't as well, or in American English, can and can't. Um, so, you know, if, if you're saying like, I can do it, can is eaten. It's not new information, so it's swallowed. You, you almost don't hear it. It's not a keyword. It's vegetable, not potato. I mean, potato is a vegetable. It's broccoli, not potato and hummus. Um, but when it's negative, it's stressed, right? So this is something you need to look out for when people are using can and can't, if, especially if they're American. Is it stressed or not? If it's eaten, it's probably positive. And if it's uh, stressed, it's probably negative. Let's look at some examples. I'm going to youglish.com. It's a great app. And I'm going to look up, um, let's look up a negative. Uh, let's look up, I can't do it. 
uh, on Youglish. Now, Youglish is great. It basically searches lots of uh, YouTube videos for the phrase that you search for. It's fantastic. So I've just searched for I can't do it. Let's hear what they have to say. I can't do it. I can't make it. I can't do it. I can't make it. It's strong, right? Uh, let's check another video because you can choose a, a multiple ones. The message out there, but I can't do it alone. It just I can't do it alone, right? It's there, right? It's um, it's stressed. It's a keyword. Now let's make it positive, and then you might you might see that uh, it's probably eaten unless they're really stressing something. Here we go. I'm like, you know what? I bet I can do it for half that price. I bet I can do it. See, he's eating can and going straight for the do, right? I bet I can do it. Let's do that. Let's listen to that again. That's a good example. Oh dear, I've lost. <laughs> okay, we're getting the whole the, the guy's whole story. Okay, we've lost that a bit. I'm like, you know what? I bet I can do it for half that price. Yeah, you got it. I can do it. You don't stress it. You eat it if it's can, and you stress it if it's can't. I got this opening again. I'm gonna yeah run away, run away from the internet now. Good. Uh, yeah, that's it. So yeah, um, a little tip with can and can't or can and can't as our American cousins like to say. Uh, okay, finally on the last part. Uh, so this is similar to the, uh, the tit tip. Um, it's something we hear a lot and it's something you want to listen out for. And it's also something you want to sort of, when you're speaking, sort of gravitate towards, right? So you want to be able to like say this. And this, this magic word, it's actually two words crunched together. There's a, there's a. Okay, so when you're listening to English, you might hear this sound a lot. There's a, there's a. And of course, you probably figured it out. It means there is a. Uh, because we use it a lot. There is is a very common structure. There's a uh, is how you say it naturally. It all sort of becomes one word. There is a becomes sort of one word. And you get there's a. Um, you get it a lot. And you know what? It's weird because in English, you know, we use there is and there are like there was and there were uh, a lot. And I, I, I'm thinking like it's, when I'm talking to English learners and I'm teaching and, and just talking to people who are second language uh, speakers, you, you get a lot of like avoiding there is and there are for some reason. I think it's probably something to do with um, first language and stuff like that. Um, I hear sometimes I hear really weird sentences like there exists a great restaurant in the old town. There exists a great restaurant. It's like, God, we're not in Lord of the Rings. That's a very Lord of the Rings sort of uh, phrase, very epic. Um, or sometimes, you know, simply like, look, a cat is on the table, um, which is fine. I mean, it's technically correct, but, you know, it's, it feels strange because my instinct is to say, no, no, there's a cat on the table because you're, you know, you're introducing something very new. You're declaring and pointing and, and it's like, ooh, there, there's a cat, voila. Um, so, yeah, there's a cat on the table. And you'll just hear it, there's a, there's a. There's a cat on the table. And there's also, there's a really good example there. There's, there's also, <laughs> there's a good joke also. Um, a, a classic, classic English joke. Uh, it goes like this. Waiter, waiter, there's a fly in my soup. Please don't speak too loudly, sir, or, or everyone will want one. It's a terrible joke. I, it was a terrible joke. Uh, yeah, there's a fly in my soup. Don't speak too loudly or everyone will want one. But yeah, there's a... And it, it just wouldn't sound the same if it was waiter, waiter, a fly is in my soup. It just sounds weird because this situation is calling for pointing at something, right? So um, 
there's a and that's it you know it's easy to forget but if you if you instead of like trying to remember oh yeah we use there is and there are and there was and there were a lot more in english and maybe we should i should try and use it more um maybe don't think along those lines that's very complicated and requires a lot of effort but just remember the word there's a there's a and when you're speaking and you want to point at something there's a is all you need and then everything else will follow naturally, hopefully. Uh, yeah, so there's a, it's, it's got a z sound, almost like a z, right? Um, there's a, just one word, that's it. There's a cat on the table. Uh, there's a great restaurant in the old town. There's a fly in my suit. And then it's just easier to hear. And before we finish, let's check out one more Uglish video with there is a, um, and, and we can hear it in action. There's a, here we go experience but it seems like the there's a price for experiencing it and the price for experience that's a good one he almost decontracted there didn't he um and you know a note on that like i i'm decontracting quite a lot today for example because i'm doing an english learner's podcast so sometimes i'm actually separating words uh in a way that i wouldn't do with like friends and family and so on um, and, you know, the, this YouTube video, I'm looking at it now, it looks like some sort of lesson, like a, the guy's kind of teaching something. So when teachers are explaining things, they slow down and sometimes they decontract. Let's look at another example. I bet we can find some more z, there's z examples. Let's go for one more. There's a guy named Scott Page at the University of Michigan. Boom, He's the straight up. There's a guy. There's a guy named Scott Page. This also relates to our first, uh, like, tip from today as well. Jump to the keyword. Her keyword was guy, all right? So she's, there is a guy, nah. Contract and eat. Eat those words. That's the broccoli. There's a guy. There's a guy. Um, one more example. This is going so well. I want another example just to ruin it, you know. Here it comes. There's Stearns and so forth. And there's a point in September. Yeah, exactly. Once again, there's a point in September. Eating that word. That word. There's a. There's a. Yeah, that's it. So, um... That's it. Those are the uh, four, five, I don't even know. It's five, five tips, uh, pronunciation, which will also help you with your listening as well. Um, just to go over them one more time, jump to the potato, focus on the key words. It's a stress-timed language. One and then two and then three and then four. There's a guy. Um, the cat loves eating cornflakes. Um, jump to the potato. That was the first tip. The second tip, always contract. Save decontracting for when you're adding emphasis. And remember, that is quite strong when you're adding emphasis. I do like Radiohead. Or when you're teaching or explaining something, maybe you want to go slowly. That's also fine, of course. Um, listen, the third tip, listen out for tits and dits. Um, that past tense, he's doing it. I wanted it. He's used it. Um, and also, you know, start introducing tits and dits into your own, <laughs> into your own English. Uh, I can't believe I'd be saying that on, uh, on YouTube ever. But uh, yeah, yeah, put, put some tits into your, into your English. Yeah. And, um, yeah, can and can't. Um, again, usually that can't is stressed or the American can't is stressed. And the can is usually just pronounced can, can. I can do it. We can see him tomorrow. Again, it's all related. All of these tips are more or less related to each other because pronunciation is very, like, uh, dependent on all of its features. Each feature is kind of related to each other very closely. But yeah, eat the can and uh, stress the can't. And finally, there's a. Listen out for that magic word, there's a. And, and when you're explaining things and you feel like pointing at something, chances are you might just want to say there's a. 
That's it. Cool. Well, that's it. That's uh, that's everything. Thanks very much for uh, watching and listening. And um, yeah, uh, ClarkandMiller.com. Check out the the, pe- the website. You can get a free ebook. Um, learn words five times faster uh we've got loads of free stuff like the blog and there's the podcast obviously and we've got the youtube channel and yeah check us out loads of stuff and if you're watching on youtube like just subscribe it's great it's great fun i do it all the time clicking that red button i'm addicted to it so yeah start start your addiction today click (laughs) click subscribe or subscribe as i almost said and if you're feeling really like uh extreme you can also hit the like that, that you get a real kick out of that once you've uh, got into that. It's good fun. Anyway, yeah, thanks a lot. I'm going to stop rambling now. And yeah, talk at you next time.